ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. This is episode 57. Like I'm Andre. Like a good Andre. bottle of ketchup. You, like, you went right into that. Didn't even give me yeah, a Yeah, I... I know. <laughs> I'm Andre. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. So, you know what's funny? It's time for politics. Um, I've noticed that the news cycle is different with our new president. And I, in a weird way, like it. But in a weird way feel like something's missing <laughs> it's like i'm waiting i'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop and that's been kind of an adjustment yeah you know like i think one of the things that i have found somewhat frustrating lately is the need for the for certain media outlets to like constantly compare what president biden is doing or not doing to what some asshole did before or did yeah. you like i got a notification on my phone you know uh white house announces biden will biden's name will not be on stimulus checks like yeah no shit because he's not a narcissistic asshole like <laughs> he doesn't need the credit because he's he knows like this is my plan this is what i said i was gonna do and this is yeah i mean like i'm not the person who's in Congress making it happen, but I'm working to make sure that what I think needs to happen is getting done. And you know, it's funny though. Um, even when you take that that part out of it, it's interesting. We I know we talked about um, the fact that the former president wasn't able to get any real legislation to pass that he had authored. Um, and right out of the gate, President uh, Biden has. And I think that's a feather in his cap one way or the other, you know, and I get there's some issues about the, um, some of the targeting and, and some, you know, Joe Mnanchin, um, Mnuchin, yeah, Mnuchin, Mnuchin. Or, no, Mnuchin, the guy from West yeah. Virginia. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I know who you're talking about. I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. Um, what and call him Congressman Joe. He's a Senator. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a member of Congress. Oh God, you're making you all right. <laughs> I just I don't want to do I don't want to walk down that road with you. <laughs> yeah, Joe Mananchin. Um I get the moderate um angle that he's going on. I just don't know how I feel about it. I think it's kind of uh it's it seems a little bit disingenuous, if I'm being honest. I, I think he kind of likes playing both sides of the fence here. Sure. Um I mean, yeah, I think, so. like, I guess I can understand on one side that your constituency in West Virginia is is theoretically more. I mean, didn't West Virginia go for Trump? Yeah, but the governor of West Virginia actually disagreed with Mnanchin's, uh changes to the bill, um, and I think overall, you know, like the. The reduction of the unemployment benefits by $100 a week, uh, a deadline for unemployment benefits, support from the federal government. Now, 
hopefully the economy can kind of do a rebound by the end of summer. And I don't mean like a full, like a uh, different trajectory, but I do kind of mean like uh, things will start to take traction. Yeah. I just don't think that that's the best call. I, I still feel uh, after watching, and we've talked about this before, like what's going to happen now is a lot of the things in the economy are going to be the new norm, right? Um, if I can have most of my employees work from home, I'd have most of my employees work from home because yeah. um, you don't need the physical location. Uh, retail, the way that a lot of restaurants were able to do a, actually a lot of retail in general and food service, were able to do curbside service. I don't think that's going away. No, uh, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. Like, I think you're, you're because you're going to experience some permanent reduction in seating capacity, right? Yeah. Like there will be some level of restrictions. Maybe it's not six feet, you know, forever, but there'll be something that's required because I mean, like the coronavirus and COVID-19 are not the last you know, airborne respiratory or airborne, you know, disease that we're going to have to deal with. And, you know, wearing masks right out in public is probably going to become part of the new norm. And for most people, I think I'm probably still going to wear a mask in in public. If I'm being honest, I actually ordered some uh, uh, disposable mask because my problem with masks are my glasses Mm -hmm. And I haven't really found anything that works well. So I did buy these lens cloths that could, you know, they do a good job of keeping the fog and condensation. But some days I forget to like wipe my lenses with this cloth. And it's like, that's inconvenient. Well, just spit Uh, on them. Yeah, not going to do that either. That's what you do with Um, your goggles when you're swimming, right? You just hock a loogie into there and rub it around. You're like, all right, I'm good to go. Um. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and knowing that front I, you know also i actually don't wear goggles when i go swimming uh the rare times i do go swimming um so my eyes end up burning from the glory <laughs> yeah i'm with you there um, <laughs> <laughs> so but i i think there's going to be a lot of changes to the economy that we haven't really factored in yet that are going to be long-standing and so i i don't know i, I there's just a lot of I don't know if it's posturing. I don't know if there's a uh, a cry to norms of fiscal responsibility from, especially from the moderate and conservative uh, Democrats. Um, but I also, I just feel like now is the time to go big to kind of, even if you miss, like you don't get a home run, but you get a, like a double, we've kind of put, you know, stop some of the bleeding. And I think the economy is going to have some bleeding until next year. Um, and having putting the money back into the the actual real world economy is is not a bad thing in my opinion. Yeah, uh, you know I um I don't know I think I I'm with you in that I guess I question how genuine the sentiment is right. Yeah. Um Is it really that you're concerned about fiscal you know responsibility or is it posturing and just playing politics for whatever reason. And if it's the latter, then, you know, trying to keep things relatively clean. So I don't have as much work to do, Um, but fill in the blank there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but if it's the former, like, okay, then is this 100, you know, how is this $100 a week reduction, right, in, in unemployment benefits? How is that proving okay. out your fiscal concern, you know, or fiscal responsibility, right? right? Like, that's – explain how these changes to the bill ultimately are achieving – you know, or alleviating your concerns. And then maybe I'd actually believe it, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel, yeah, yeah, I'm in the same, I mean, obviously we're in the same boat, but it's just kind of like, I, there are a lot of unknowns about the economy. And again, we live in Disney. Um, like I was in downtown Raleigh today and I noticed a lot, a lot of new construction. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying like a little bit, I'm saying like, pretty much every block I was on, they were cramming, uh, new houses there. Um, I was in Johnson County on Monday or yesterday. Yeah. And same thing. They were cramming, uh, houses where you would have thought like, well, that doesn't fit. I you mean, know, if Arena, uh, you know, like driving down 40, it's just, new construction somewhat newer homes that are all along the corridor there and of course yeah they're working to expand that and it's uh gosh it's just a nightmare yeah so it's four lanes right now i'm sure they're gonna go to eight and it's still like by the time they're done making it eight it's gonna be way too late i don't know like the infrastructure planning is so far behind yeah the growth yeah it's it's I know in 08 and 09, when I used to get like uh, like population reports, because I was a realtor, uh, 100 new people move in and out of Wake County every day, right? Um, that's a lot of growth. That's like insane. So whether you look at what that does to potential families over a two-year time span, as people move and later on they settle down and they decide this is going to be their home. I mean, that's a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, uh, you look at new school construction in Wake County, that's hit or miss, depending on which part of the county you're in. But I, I think this time we're actually going to feel some impact of what that really means, because a lot of our industry isn't just uh, tech companies. It's a lot of retail and service industries. Um, and I don't think we're going to be able to compensate for the losses. Like I saw a lot of the... Um, the, uh, the the traditional like mom and pop restaurants downtown, a lot of them have, have boarded up, yeah. you know. So there's going to be some impact here. Now we're not as bad as California, where they they have a heavy service industry, um, but it's going to be kind of. I think we're going to feel this one, uh, and I don't know what the what the after effects are going to be. No, but uh, you know the other thing to consider here in North Carolina. And Wake County and the, some of the outer line, you know, counties as well, is the sports revenue, right? Um, you know, from college and I mean even high school, like the revenue that's be that is able that they're able to generate from football, right. basketball, and the like um, is a significant chunk of you know the overall income for a lot of those, especially some of the smaller towns, you know, that are out in the more rural areas. And so, um, I'm sure that that has played a huge role in some of those areas being harder hit, 
you know, more recently than others. But I mean, even in the local area, think about the events that they host at PNC outside of sports and all of that, um, you know, and all of the people that get to work concessions and, you know, um, the parking lot attendance and all of that stuff. It's like, those are all jobs that have essentially disappeared this year. Yeah, there's, yeah, I, I, um, I've been pondering this one for a while and, and I don't have an answer, but I think that I do kind of feel the other shoe's going to drop with the economy. I, I don't know what the impact is going to be, um, overall, but I don't think it's going to be good. Well, supposedly uh, there's a, some concern that this new, tr- you know, $2 trillion plan is going to, is too much now because we're quote unquote rounding the corner with vaccine distribution, you know, finally getting up to a somewhat reasonable, you know, uh, rate. Although I still haven't gotten mine. My parents did get both of theirs, which I was, yeah. um, but I just that what it's ultimately going to do is cause massive inflation as things improve in the economy by themselves, that you're basically throwing gas onto a smoldering fire. And instead of getting like, you know, a nice little, OK, now the fire's going and it can burn on its own. It's like fireball and inflation, you know, goes through the roof and. I don't, but that's not the way inflation works, though. That's that's the uh, the, the fact of that, and, and I hear that I've heard a couple of arguments uh, about inflation, and it's not traditionally like you'll get it on like goods such as gasoline, and I know gas has gone up. Yeah, uh, I literally paid. <laughs> I was at the gas pump the other day or last week, and I'm p- paying for gas, and it's like three twenty. I'm like, oh my god, gas went up to three twenty, but I'm. I'm the type of guy, it's like, what am I going to do about it? I need gas in my car. Right? Yeah. I mean, you could drive to Cary and go to the Harris Teeter fuel station that's right now in my my house because the gas is only 235 there. And you get three cents off with your big card. It's like a okay. dollar a gallon. Well, I, <laughs> but I, the problem is, <laughs> there's a lot of problems. I know One. the amount of gas that you would use to come out here and do that <laughs> would negate. Yes, obviously. <laughs> and two, like my car takes premium, right? Oh, okay. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I mean, I need, you need gas. Okay. I mean, but so y- that, you're the one who chose to buy a car that needs premium oh, gas. T- totally get that. So, I mean, but I also know, cry baby. No, but, but I did the math. <laughs> Even with my Explorer to fill up the tank with my Explorer. Oh God, those things! I mean, that was a twenty-gallon tank on that, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it cost me the same amount as premium for my my vehicle. Yeah. So it's like it was a wash. Right, and then um, the fuel economy was probably way better on. It's yeah. yeah. So for me, does that make sense? I yes. get the math. It's like it's no, like, I yeah. totally get it. You're you buy gas less often. It's a smaller tank, so you're not having to fill it up as often, or well. You fill it up a little bit more often, but because of the greater fuel economy, it's probably even a wash there. Right. So, yeah, ultimately, yeah. no, I I totally get it. I do. Yeah. I just so, like giving I, you shit because usually no, because I'm I, on the receiving end of that type of <laughs> criticism. You don't know that I think about things like all the way through. Yes, I it's do. Like- <laughs> I don't know that you think about things. Of course I know that you thought about that. <laughs> You Somebody have a spreadsheet get- saved on your computer or hard drive <laughs> or in the cloud somewhere that's like fuel economy comparison. <laughs> Somebody was giving me crap because I was talking about uh, like my transition to not eating meat. 
And yeah. cooking. Like just some of the things I said, and I, and I was like, he he actually said, but think about what he just said. He thought about where fish were coming from, like from blah, whatever store I use as, as an example. And I, I actually researched, he goes, his decisions are probably not normal. I'm like, no, they're not, because I want plans A through D, please. Okay, but like, I don't that doesn't seem like a good enough reason in my mind. I mean, I, I don't know. I've been struggling a little bit with this whole, it's okay for everybody else to eat meat. And it's not, I'm not going to become one of those assholes. I promise. Uh huh. But at the same time, like, I, you know, for the longest time, I was just like, oh, it's cool, whatever, you know, like you're just, but now I'm starting to get like kind of, well, all right. But that's kind of like the same thing as, all right, well, it's okay for you to drive your, you know, ridiculously old, fuel inefficient vehicle that's producing giant clouds of smog, you know, emissions. Like, that's not ultimate like we have laws that are now in place because that and I'm again I feel like I'm getting off of that super preachy crap. Well, but to be fair, the other day I was eating dinner and it came to my mind that I kid you not, as I'm eating dinner, you know, if we switched to a primarily uh plant based diet, we would have enough food to feed just about everybody on the planet the amount of like space you use to farm animals and, and to raise them is th- typically two to three times more than that of growing crops. Right. And then especially when you consider the opportunities for like hydroponic growth systems and indoor growth, like those type of situations where you have temperature control, climate control, you have much better control over bugs and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I think that there is a lot of opportunity and then, you know, you're not required to be in a specific climate to grow that stuff, right? Then you can be able to more locally source these ingredients that are, you know, foods that are grown typically elsewhere, because now you can recreate that climate in an indoor environment. Yeah. So, I mean, so your art, your your point is not wrong, but I think you're. It's it's also interesting. The second part to that is, uh, my daughter was telling me there's this new. Apparently, Satan has got, gone viral on TikTok, and I was like, okay, that's old news. But it it was interesting that it was actually a plus for social media because people don't know variable X, and once they discover it, they're, they're interested in it. So I thought that was kind of cool too. Um, So I see that I, the two points for me are like, there is a great opportunity to feed like hungry people, especially in this country. If we, if we made a small adjustment to our diets um, and two, informing people about the, the benefits and the options and different ways you can, you know, supplement or, or substitute some things they're, 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 you know, that's the benefit of that information is helpful. It gives people the opportunity to, to learn about it. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. No, I totally agree. I, I mean, you know, I think part of it is it's because for most people, it's not, they're not going to be able to just one day go like, okay, now I'm moving plant-based, you know, like I was talking right. to somebody the other day who said that for Lent, she had 
made the plan to go vegan, um, you know, because she like owns a small cafe and they have some vegan items. And she was like, you know, part of it is that I want to learn how to cook that stuff better. And I knew if I forced myself to have to eat it, like, you know, explicitly, then I would start to find some new recipes that I like that I could introduce at the cafe. And so she was like, but I just was not prepared for it. Right. You know, like I, I hadn't done the research. I hadn't looked into it enough and kind of mentally prepared myself for what to substitute for certain things and how to kind of get around it. And so she was like, so I've cheated a little bit. I'm eating seafood, obviously not vegan, but you know, and I was like, you know, it's a start, right? Like you can try that. And then, you know, maybe the next time that you feel like you want to do that, then you don't, you have an idea of what it is that you're missing. And maybe it's, it takes a couple of different times for you to figure out, okay, these are the things that I need in order to be able to kind of exist without animal products. I mean, remember, like, uh, my wife's from a, a coastal town in Peru. I mean, she's okay with probably not eating beef or pork, but seafood, that's kind of hard. And I, I totally get that. Um, like, you don't eat coastal food in New York. Like, it's like, no, that came out of the yeah, Hudson. That, that came out of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I I get that I I um there's I mean again there's there's a lot of opportunities that we can do and I'm not like a a hyper environmentalist that's just not because I don't no but it's I mean it's the research right like at the end of at the end of the day if you look at the numbers there are a lot more opportunities for for us to make changes to you know like climate change to you know, our environment around us to, you know, what we're doing. I mean, the quality of life for these animals, right, that are going through this process of becoming food. And sure, you know, some of them maybe aren't super like aware, oh, I'm going to get eaten, right? Or, right. you know, this is different than what my oh, life should be like. They, they know. But yeah, they like know. at the end of the day, who are you to decide? How many times am I going to say at the end of the day? Who are you to decide that that it's okay for those animals to be? I mean, people flip out because people in China eat dogs, right? Like because of the big dog festival. And I am not saying that it's that I'm on board for eating dogs because I think that's super weird. But I also am now kind of of the opinion that eating any animal is really kind of super weird. Like I just... I don't look and that's at- for me again like that's for me personally I've always had this really weird like I had to super disconnect the where my food actually came from with me eating it if I if it looked too much or reminded me for whatever reason too much of the thing that it actually was then I was just not there for it yeah I I think I've never looked at it that way because I that I'm not wired that way. I just think that it can't be healthy, right? So if some if you showed me the um, the pen where the chickens were raised, and I saw that, like for example, back in the day, in over this one summer, I worked at the uh, the stables on on NC State Fairgrounds, right? And uh, it was like my you know community, like just trying to get back to the community. I thought that'd be nice to do. First of all, community service. That's no, 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 no. It wasn't community service. It was actually, <laughs> tra- 
Because I was like trying to be I'm like, it wasn't <laughs> I know, but the way that you described it, I, I was like trying. Were, I mean, that <laughs> made I, it sound like you were trying so hard not to call it community service. <laughs> but the, but even that term has got such a negative connotation, it does, which is ridiculous because it's yeah. such a positive thing. Yeah, I was trying to give back to the community, and uh, so I volunteered over the summer, um, and it gave me a, and I'm a city kid. So it gave me an insight on the hard work it goes that goes into, you know, keeping and managing stables and the treatment of animals while they're there. Because I was once I noticed that one horse didn't have water, I would actually go extra times to make sure they all had the proper amount of food uh, because it made me feel bad. Um, and I tried to make sure their stables are really clean and blah, blah, blah. So if you showed me that and you and although we don't eat horse meat, but if you showed me that you're mistreating the animals in just that aspect, I would be kind of against that, you know, but not to the point of where like, I wouldn't eat like fried chicken at some point or hot wings, but it's just like, that's just wrong. Like you, the farmer, like you control that environment. That's your job. And if you're going to be a good steward, be a good steward. If you're going to be a crappy steward, that's just wrong. You, you have, you're, you're just a piece of crap. But isn't so wow. correct me if I'm wrong and maybe you don't maybe you're not familiar with this enough to comment on it. But the way I've kind of understood it is that like we're talking about big tech and big pharma, uh, big farming is has really kind of taken over almost all of the mom and pop farms that used to exist. actually I yeah, I've. I've actually done research on because it's actually one of those curiosities for me. And it actually has, they are buying farms. Like it's nobody's business or leasing uh, the farmland and basically saying, to, yeah, no, they lease it. They're actually buying it from said family and, and then leasing it, it back, back to them. them. Yeah. So that's like double dipping and many, because that's all they know. Right. right. Um, that's why the, the, the hog farmers in North Carolina, they're like uh you know, a lot of the the big families, they don't, they haven't sold to Smithfields because they know they own the market for the most part. Uh, and Smithfields would buy the, you know, the moderate to dying farms yeah. because of whatever financial pressures they have. But again, there are ways to, um, I, I don't know, there are ways to do things right. It's just that we've become so profit-minded that we forget about it's a slow burn <laughs> and not just like you're trying to hit a home run. That, that's, that's what bothers me. Like yeah. you can make, you can always make money, but if your only objective is to make money, then you're probably going to cut corners. Collaboration, synergy, thinking outside the box, raising the bar, breaking down silos, shifting the paradigm, disrupting the market business and it goes back to stewardship for me if you have that opportunity to be a good uh steward be a good steward see and it's uh, interesting because i've always kind of associated that type of behavior the the kind of poor stewardship and the chasing profits at all costs or any costs to be primarily rooted in the publicly held companies, right? Because I feel like a lot of times it's, 
well, we have to figure out every penny that we can raise the value of our stock equals X amount of bonus for board members or for stockholders or whatever it may be. And so it's like, you know, whatever we can have to do to, in order to drive this price of the stock up is what we're ultimately going to do. It's not really what's best for the company. It's not what's best for the business. It's not what's best for the customer. But if in this moment we can increase value, you know, without seeing some sort of long-term negative impact, then we're going to go ahead and cut that corner. But I heard a story the other day about a private, like family owned company, a very, you know, like very popular and very wealthy or, you know, very, um, I guess high revenue family owned company that recently like laid off an entire branch of their team abroad mm -hmm. because essentially the way that it was explained from somebody inside is that, well, they're the family. There are more people that are now family members that are, are in control and therefore living off of the company dime. And so in order to, create more money for them they're cutting costs somewhere and so they said well we're just going to get rid of all these people over here and i'm sure to some degree it's a little bit of an oversimplification but part of me is sitting there saying like man everybody is just losing their damn minds and saying who cares about building you know some sort of like actual good company like it's either the you know I'm I'm doing a startup with the intention of getting bought out so I can go retire on a beach somewhere and never have to lift a finger or like I just feel like there's so little effort to build a long lasting company up from you know the ground and and the there there's the fable of the uh, the golden goose right yeah like you can get all the eggs and never feed the goose and eventually you have you've spent all the eggs you've you've whittled them down you melt them down and you sold it for you know whatever and you've acquired more things but you let the goose die well you lost at the end of the day you're going to lose and the second part to that is um another example of like how you don't you, you want to continue to feed the golden goose so there's a the founder of jot form i was reading an article about him and he started the company uh, and it's inspiring to me, right? Because he didn't take any VC funding. Um, he kept his day job for a number of years, so blah, blah, blah. He bootstrapped. Yeah, literally bootstrapped. And now they have like 200, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> the more I think about when you, when you throw things in there, I'm like, I'm going to try to avoid that. But like, you got me that time. <laughs> like, you, Cause my brain, my brain, it really appreciates the joke, but it's like, come on. <laughs> now I'm going to throw out E area examples for just for the just, sake of doing it. Just for the shit of it. <laughs> but he uh, worked his day job, you know, kept the lights on, blah, blah, blah. Eight years later, he's got 200,000 monthly users, right? Um, they're making not money, you know, money hand over fist, but they're okay. Um, and the moral of the story was be passionate about what you're doing. It doesn't mean that you, and I, I always say, you don't have to hit a home run every time, get on base. Right. And that's the hard part. So imagine when you have some level of financial success and you feel like you're obligated to, you know, put your family on. And I, I totally a hundred percent agree with that. Like my, if I ever get to a point where I can hire and work with my friends and family, 
guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hire and work with my friends and family uh, in no like particular order, but the, in no particular order. Well, yeah. Cause I, cause it's family then friends and you know, so, uh, but the, my, the, okay. But just to be clear, you said I am family. You are family. Okay. So yeah. Cool. So, so it's, it's like, <laughs> gotta, I get first tips, <laughs> but the thing is you have to, you have to earn that spot. Yeah. So yes, I would hire them at a competitive salary at a comparable salary in a like situation. Yes. But would they have opportunities for more? Yes. Right. The right. average employee probably would not, but family and friends. Yes. And you do it gradually. Right. Uh, but like you, you wouldn't hire to be like some executive vice president of something that she no. has no background or experience in. That'd be crazy. Exactly. That'd be that'd be absolutely killing the goose. But that's what people do all the time, right? Like you see it happen because it's a short. I mean, because the, the like, and this is not a knock against capitalism because I I am a capitalist. But you want to think about. I always go back to what uh, what uh, Jeff Bezos said. He basically said, every company is going to die. My job is to keep this company alive for 25 years longer than what it would have been or 50 years longer than what it would have been. That is a, that's inevitable. Like there is a handful of companies that have been ra- around for longer than like, or close to a hundred years in this country, a handful of companies. Because they all, I think the people that started those companies probably saw and understand the same thing that Jeff understands. That it's eventually, if we don't evolve, if we don't think about the longevity of this organization, it will die. So I assume since you are on a first name basis with Jeff now, um, (laughs) that you are not participating in the Amazon boycott this week? No, I'm not. Okay. Did you hear about it? No, I have not. So basically, and, it's it's supposed to be in support of the workers who are trying to unionize at Amazon in order to try and you know petition Chris, for better wages. I, I'm yeah. just, I just, I I'm, don't support. I'm unions. informing the audience, okay? I, I know, but I don't support unions. You don't support any unions, for the most part. Now, there, there's never been since over the last thirty to forty years. Unions are no longer what they used to be. Okay, but wouldn't you also say that over the last 30 or 40 years, the I feel like we're at a point now, I mean, you think like, and I know that the minimum wage isn't everything, but the minimum wage has barely changed over that time period. Okay, so right? and so here's a, here's a culmination of my feelings of that. Yeah. Because I was listening to um, a a story that kind of echoes that a company I'm a big, I'm, I'm almost a fanboy of, they have, they have fired uh, black employees unjustly. And I am a firm believer in basically, okay, that is unjust, but there is no option or alternative to that product. Sure. At some level, at some level you have to start to create different options or alternatives for said product. And I, that's why I'm not, I'm not going to try to like, I don't, you can boycott Amazon all you want, 
you can't wrestle them down. That's just not going to happen. You're you're punching way above your weight class. Okay, so then is your theory that the best way to get Amazon to treat its workers better is to build a rival to Amazon that yes. treats its workers better? Yep. Interesting. I I'm I am so far removed from the like. Uh, now I do believe in like like you said earlier. I mean, I certainly don't hate that idea. You know, it's think about cancel culture, right? And I read an article that was Gladly. basically saying it's never it's never fully worked. Everybody that's been quote unquote canceled, they've all come back bigger and stronger. The the country singer that dropped the in bomb, dude selling like his uh, album sales have gone through the roof. Yeah. Um. So I think that. I do believe in a, a proper boycott. I still will always say cancel culture is the you know, like just a a distant cousin of boycotts. Yeah. I so I agree with the what you're trying to do. I don't think it's strategic enough. Um, you can't. There's nothing anybody can do like right now, right now to affect people's behaviors of using Amazon. I agree, and I will say that. One week of nobody, let's say literally everybody, right? Yeah. That is an Amazon customer doesn't, they're still raking in. I mean, they're sitting on billions of dollars, yeah. right? Like one week isn't going to hurt them. Yeah. It's not even a thing. Yeah. It's it's just not a thing. No. And I, I mean, I, I agree. I, it was something that I had heard about and I am not like intentionally participating. I, I've cut, in fact, I had something that was delivered today. Um, but so you're gonna buy it all this week but not next week. that's you see my point yeah no i exactly and that was the whole thing too was was like prepare yourself the basically order everything ahead of time and it's just supposed to it is supposed to be like a very symbolic gesture as much as anything i guess like not but but i'm with you in that it's really not going to ultimately do anything to further the cause of unionization at amazon I mean, like the problem with the the workers that they have is that they that is the only option for them or they see as an employer, right? They typically put their warehouses in places that are economically depressed. They're putting two more in Wake County alone, um, like in over the next year. So is that like a bad sign? <laughs> well. You see my, you, you see my, they have the cash to play with. So my art, so one's in uh, wherever Garner is. Yeah. I think Garner's got two. Um, there's the one that's right off of 40 between Garner and Fuquay. Yeah. And there's another, there's another one like right off of, uh, or close to South Saunders Street. And then there's the other one that's up by RTP. Yeah. So we used to my, drive by that all the time. And they put, they put their warehouses in places where, they do have the opportunity to hire some of the lower paid employees, 15 bucks an hour. Uh, and they hire them as temp employees and they have to, I think they kind of bid for quote unquote bid for hours or when they're going to work. So it's really kind of, it's kind of dog eat dog if I'm being honest. Uh, but it's all cyclical also. Like it's Amazon is not the first company to come into this area and attract uh, a lower paid employee. I mean, in a lot of ways, isn't it similar to what Walmart did? 
No, it's actually similar. Like if you want to compare apples to apples, IBM used to hire a lot of temps and non-college grads they pay them like this is back in the mid to late 90s like 13 14 bucks an hour like i i knew people that were either college students or uh, you know they would move from like i knew a, a group of dudes that moved from greenville because they worked at ibm mm -hmm. at this facility they had in uh, mooresville yeah they were making bank like 20 somethings and just like they were doing good. And then that ran out. And, you know, since then they all scattered throughout the, the, the country. So they're not the first one to do it. So I know that is a common practice. You can put a facility like that in a, a predominantly like middle-class like area and attract people that want to be in that area, but they may not have the skill set to afford that area's lifestyle. And that's how you kind of, you get around those. So it's not the they're not, they're not the first, nor will they be the last. the The problem is like, it's really it's really looking at what community development really is, um, and how do you take the typically thirty three percent of your like population and provide them with jobs like we talked about last week with affordable housing or the same opportunities as the more uh, I I don't want to use the word affluent, but the more like I guess that's the best term or best word to use to afford to be in that community. So there, there's like deeper problems than just unions, if I'm being honest. Uh, and Amazon just happens to be the biggest fish in the sea right now. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I think they're, I mean, some of their, you know, like worker conditions and stuff like that, that has reportedly come out has been pretty. Well, don't, don't work there. And no, I know that I understand that. I mean, I'm, but to your point, what they're, what, what you say they're basically doing is hiring people that don't have the skill set to necessarily get another job. Well, so take Carrie, for example, right? So the, and what I was, the story I was telling you before, this is Carrie and this is Carrie like mid to late nineties, mm -hmm. right? Not as expensive as it is now, but would you imagine? So I, and these guys lived in Greenville. They're from that area, right? Um, they moved from Greenville to make probably twice as much money or probably two thirds as much money as what they were able to make in Greenville in a somewhat like unique situation. And they told their friends, their friends would like migrate from Greenville to Cary to get a job here. Uh, another culprit of that would be Austin Foods that later got bought by um, some other bakery like yeah. Nestle some crap like that. Nabisco. It, Nabisco. Yeah. They did the same thing. I knew a ton of people in this area that worked there. They were making, you know, pretty decent salary back then, but when they got bought, they laid off a lot of people. So there's, it's all cyclical and it's all based on what you're, you know, what are you trying to identify as a problem? Is the problem that the employees don't feel like they're being treated fairly, but really like you just didn't read the fine print. It was never going to be a forever job. It's it, they could probably replace those people just as quick as they hire them. Is my point. It's not. That's 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 the real problem with Amazon. In my but, okay, so if that's the problem, like again, like I guess the question is, how do you solve that problem other than having the workers that are there fight, f do what they feel they need to do in order to 
secure better wages, better working conditions, you know. It's not, well, if I'm being honest, like it's not up to the company at that point. The company is doing it because they can get away with it. But if the employees took the extra money they were, and this sounds, this is going to be borderline, like hard to say. I move, let's say I move from some other county in, in, in the state to work at Amazon or whatever, wherever it may be. I'm making more money. What am I doing with that extra money, that extra time I've earned by working less because I'm making more, but I can keep, a, you know, provide a life for myself. I'm going, I'm going to figure out a way to get the skills, whether that be school or that be like apprenticeship or whatever, to like use that as a stepping point. Not to think that Amazon's going to be, I would never think that Amazon's a forever job. Now I say that one, because it makes sense. And two, because I had a person tell me one time that their employees were never meant to be full-time. I've actually had this, you know, proper wage conversation in a, in a, in a different organization. I went to the owner of the company and said, hey, I could literally go outside and pick up five cents an hour. You want me to give people a five cent raise? And the, the question, or actually the response was, that's a very good question. Two things, your, your employees get two raises a year, right? If you do the math and if they are, you know, even slightly above exceptional or good employees, they could earn a 30% increase every year. Your average increase is what? And at the time it was like 15%, mm -hmm. right? Although granted I made more money, but that wasn't the point. So that is a fact. It's a hard fact, but it's a fact. I had never had the opportunity to make a 30% raise in any given year. The second thing he brought up to me was like, they can work to get promoted and make more money. And we had a system in place to help them to do that, right? So then my job as the employer was to make that very abundantly clear. And thirdly, the cold hard fact, he goes, and I'll tell you this, this job was never meant to be a permanent position. People were net, this was supposed to be a part-time job. It was never designed to support a family. But at the and same time, they're hiring full-time employees. That actually, technically, they're not. They're they're like like Amazon, for example, they don't hire full-time. It's kind okay, of like but I, but at the place I was working. The other were, place you were talking about, I wasn't going to be specific about it. But yeah, yeah. They, they weren't full-time employees. None of them? They were, nope. They were never hired as full-time employees. So they were never hired with the expectation that they would work 40 hours a week. Right, exactly. But they did work 40 hours a week. Close to it. So they're like, I don't. how do you reconcile the two differences there? Because, because the, you don't have enough employees. You're, uh, otherwise, the store doesn't have enough employees to be able to not have everybody working almost 40 hours a week, right? Actually, that's never, that's not true either. I could hire people and have well into 90% of the employees working quote unquote part-time hours, never getting close to 40 hours a week, 32 hours at tops, 35 for a few, uh, for, but everybody else, but even like, then, less... I mean, 35 hours a week, Okay, so I got one hour off every workday than somebody who's working hour, nine to five. Thirty-five hours a week is, I mean, but that's my point. Right, that's, but it's I'm, like saying, okay, I'm going to hire you 
you're not a full-time employee, but you're going to work 39 and a half hours every week, right? Like you don't meet the 40. I mean, the company, that, not, one of the companies. Not, no, I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that understand that a lot of companies are not structured to say that a majority of our staff is going to be full-time. But that's where I'm saying like, then your business model is not success like it's not legitimate if you can't operate with full-time employees then your business model essentially sucks and you should fix it like maybe charge a little bit more for your prices so that you can actually pay these people an affordable wage i mean you're willing to subsidize the prices of other items on the menu but you won't subsidize the wages of your employees That's um, (laughs) (laughs) hear me out. That's a, in my mind, like the, the two things aren't, aren't the same. They're not the same. I understand that. But at the same time, it's money being spent somewhere. But understand that most companies spend on average in their P and L upwards of 30% of, of their, of their income on, revenue on uh, On, payroll right yeah and that's where like you if you're not careful you can make your whatever you're selling uncompetitive so there it's a it's a balance but that's i guess again where i come back to i mean and i'm not saying you know that everybody should be making a hundred thousand dollars a year right like i'm i'm you know but i still just because i i I don't know. The so, idea so that you build your business model around we only have part-time employees, but those part-time employees don't technically really have enough time in the rest of the day to be able to work another job to then make enough money to support. And I get that like sure, so, but, it's not but supposed under- to be one person that is supporting an entire family on this salary. Like I do get that, but But the part so the part-time employee in my humble opinion right in in this country was designed for like when and this is i have no other so when there was a time where like if one parent stayed home and the kids went to school and they got bored yeah or if, the, i mean kids in high school right like there's right. another yeah you get done with that, school that's, college kids you get done you go work right I that's mean, where the evolution of the part-time employee of this country like came into play and it stuck that way most of our like employment laws are based around that also. Yeah. If you look at overtime laws and how they've been changed since like the mid eighties and stuff, it was all designed around like where we were in our society. Right. Um, so I know but, there's a lot, there's a lot of nuance and I, and I'm not trying to say that it's right or no, wrong. I know I'm you're saying, not. And I'm not, I'm sorry if I'm making it sound that way. When I ask these questions, it's more just, it's, it's, it's not meant to, for like, to question specifically what you're saying or, or put it as though you're the one that you believe that it's right. But it's, it's more just my frustration with, I guess this, the fact that this is where we are with some of that stuff that, you know, it feels like, okay, the government says if you're, if you have employees that work 40 hours a week, you're a full-time employee. And these are some basic things that those employees should, you know, be, you know, have access to, or, or within the marketplace, we've essentially said, Full-time employees receive, you know, some sort of insurance coverage typically, right? They get some sort of time off program. You get sick days, whatever it is. 
even within that, right, then you have your part-time employees who say, you know, it's 20 hours a week, right? Is 20, 20 to 30, 20 to 20 up to 40, yeah. essentially, right? right? But that's where I think, you know, so then you have company X who comes in and says, ha, 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 great. You're going to work 39 hours a week and we're going to consider you a part-time employee. So we're not going to offer any of these benefits. And I get what you're saying is, okay, then go get a job somewhere else. But in some cases, that's not entirely an option for some people. And you're not wrong. I mean, the Affordable Care Act didn't help that that predicament either because, you know, that's where it forced people where they were getting like 37 hours were considered full-time employees. So then they lost like five hours. Yeah. There were companies that were providing healthcare at a very competitive rate. Sometimes, and I, I can say personally, like I know the healthcare of this one company I worked for was actually better than the Affordable Care Act. What sure. people were getting like offered in the market health marketplace. So I think that when you make when as a country we make blanket statements without look like really digging into the details, it doesn't bode well for the employees. Uh, one reason I'm I'm so anti uh, anti unions. I think some companies should fail. If I'm being honest, I think they should just fail. Their their predecessors have made the problem like worse than what it should be. You came along and and you just kind of you went with what they were doing, and then you get caught holding the cookie, right? So, but there is opportunities to make better environments. Example: the one example I would use that I really I my stomach turns every time I hear quote unquote gig workers. That is like the there are no tax benefits for the people that work those jobs. There are no, uh, they're, they're considered independent contractors. All a myriad of problems. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. That's we're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. We're, we're, we've expanded the problem that was probably not so exasperated prior to the affordable care act and just made it a hundred times worse. Right. Now you have people at Uber and Lyft trying to, to unionize. It's like, but you're an independent contractor. Like that makes the problem that much worse. Well, so I think, and correct me, but if I'm wrong, but if in the case of Uber and also Lyft, part of the issue is that the way that the app basically selects drivers forces them in a sense to be available more often the more often you're available the more often that you're going to get selected the more rides you get the more money you make and if you don't participate often enough and all of that stuff then you're not going to get selected and it's going to be that much harder for you and so you almost have to work that job full-time in order for it to really make any sense and again like i get you know because the point is then don't work that job Right. But it is, I think, you know, people, it is one of those things where, yes, people get into it not realizing and then they become dependent on that. Right. Or, you know, they have a loved one who becomes sick and they're not able to work. And so they're like, well, I'll just do this more. And now it's like, well, it's almost predatory like employment. It is in a sense. And that's, that's where I think, you know, like I, I understand people's frustration with that, you know, like, because I, I, it it would be so great if we lived in a world where people didn't take advantage of other people, where they didn't build a business model off of, 
you know, 39 and a half hours a week or this, you know, gig economy. Well, what if, or, what or, if it was 39 and a half? Like, what if it was 32 hours a week and you made 13 bucks an hour, but you're almost guaranteed to get 13 bucks an hour in 32 hours a week, right? Sure. That is the, that is a more level playing field. Now, the problem is when you start to dictate what companies should and should not do, that's when the employee, this is not looking at it in, in depth. Right. I can just tell you from personal experience, if you, if companies are trying to do the right thing, because it costs you like the employee you hired to replace them and train their replacement right. and the lost productivity twice as much, right? you twice as much. So I'd rather invest in the front end and keep the employee for twice as long as what they would have left. Yes. And not worry about that expense on the back end. But a lot of people, a lot of companies don't think that way. They think about the front end expense and they forget about what it could cost them later on. Yeah. Now, if the you got average, a bunch of cheap bastards running these companies. Right. Well, because. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just making well, a, a generalization, obviously, but it is just kind of true. Yeah. For public companies. Yeah. It's all about bottom line and uh, like returning a, some type of return for the shareholders. I get that. And I'm not, I'm not anti I'm not anti-corporations or companies. I'm, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying either. like, but I do think there, the pendulum shift is it's way, way, way too far to one side. It feels horribly out of whack right now. And I think yeah. that that's why you're starting to see more talk about unionization is because people are trying to look for some solution. And I'm not saying that it's the right one. Cause I'm with because, you. I think unions absolutely present their own massive you know, right. set of problems. Um, I mean, and I think you can look to the existing unions, you know, that are out there, the United Auto, Auto Workers Union. I mean, the NFL, right? Like yeah. the NBA is one where that players union probably has done more for their actual members than any other union yeah. out there. Um, but it's, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I agree. I feel like things are way out of whack right now. And so I think that's part of the reason that you're starting to see this. And I think for a lot of the consumers, this whole cancel culture and boycott and stuff is kind of their attempt to participate, right. To show solidarity, to say, look, I believe you have like a good service here, Amazon, but I'd also, I also think that you need to treat your workers better. But you know, you know what the big swing and miss is on Amazon? They're not making as much money on their like their Amazon like like product services right. as they are with cloud and logistics. Yeah. And so that that's the misnomer. It's like that's not even the right punch. Okay, but that's but the I think the issue is in okay, I see what you're saying that it would be more effective to cancel your Amazon cloud, you know, hosting services for, a I use, right? I use digital ocean. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying like I, yours, but no, I'm saying like, I personally, I do like, I may not agree with like, I'm just saying like, I know where to punch at basically. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, I'm just, I'll use digital ocean. Now I do know that the, it's kind of messed up, but I used it digital ocean for that same reason, because I know they're getting their money from logistics and cloud services. Right. Plain and simple. Yeah. And, and ultimately you also recognize that, okay, me not buying, you know, not using an Amazon cloud hosting server 
isn't ultimately really going to affect Amazon, but right. it's the way it's the thing that I can do to right. say, which, which I think in a lot of ways is no different than what some of the cancel culture slash boycott is about. Right. I, it's not even, it's not, it's, and I'm not talking about Amazon specifically anymore, but just in general, anything, the idea yeah, but, of, of this cancel the, culture. but cancel culture is again it's a distant relative very unfocused and that's what bothers me so my daughter was sharing with me apparently like uh millennials and gen z are beefing (laughs) i'm like yo that's a thing um and i'm like but why because apparently somebody said that like uh gen z was trying to cancel eminem I'm like, first of all, hip hop is not down with that because like he's one of the greatest lyricists on the planet. What are they what are they trying to cancel him over? I don't know. I just she my daughter showed me this TikTok video of some chick just railing. It's on TikTok. I mean he's done for. Yeah. yeah, no. (laughs) I'm like, that doesn't sway me one bit. Um and I and I get why what and why people want to quote unquote cancel somebody. Right. But understand like, like your point that you made that you don't agree with somebody. So you don't rock with them. That's, that's all it is. Like, yo, I don't rock with what you're doing and I'm going to like, that's it. People will start to recognize and like your, 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 uh, your thought on Michael Jackson. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like some people, the allegations of whatever MJ was doing. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) I was like, I couldn't have said that better myself, you know? Um, Like I, my daughter gives me like grief about uh, like R. Kelly wrote some of the greatest songs and some of the best R and B in the world. Now, Chris Brown. I I mean, like there are, you can go down the list, right? There are plenty of issues that you could, theoretically take with a lot of different people that produce art or culture or music or whatever it is. Right. Or that are politicians most of all, probably Um, like Raphael. I I just don't. (laughs) So I'm glad that you brought this up because I really wanted to toot my own horn and and you kind of uh, gave me the perfect platform (laughs) to do so. Um, So Andre was referring to some stuff that I had wrote, had written had wrote, had written on Twitter, um, I guess over the weekend. So I woke up, I think it was Saturday morning or something like that. And this woman, uh, Brigitte Gabrielle, I don't know who she is. I'd never heard of her before. Um, she, her profile on Twitter says she's a survivor of terrorism, um, at act for America founder and chairman, New York times, bestselling author, national security expert. Um, but anyway, she basically said the left is trying to cancel Mumford and Sons because one of their members tweeted in support of a book written by a Trump supporter. Tell me more about how conservatives are the fascists. And I happened to see it right after she posted it. And so I was just like, well, this is stupid. I'm really tired of this whole argument that like any form of you know disagreement is some attempt by the left to cancel 
somebody, right? First off, like you can't cancel a person, right? right. I mean, like Gina Carano did not get canceled. She got fired from a show because she became less marketable on that show. Right. That's all it was. And that's how capitalism works. Like, and the fact that people don't get that and they want it both. I mean, and I love like, because you can't other, have it both ways. No, but it is like it's voting with your wallet, you know? Like, that's ultimately what it comes down to. And the other point that you re- referred to is, you know, like, look, we all have the opportunity to make a choice on this, right? Maybe you don't care, not you, but you out there in general don't care that the banjo player from Mumford and Sons, you know, like is is a big anti Antifa fan. So a big fascist is, I guess, the way. To- <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool. Go buy his music. I mean, it's not cool, but it's like that's your choice, right? And it nobody is saying that he can't promote this book. It's just that ultimately, like your freedom of speech, first off, as we've talked about repeatedly, the First Amendment itself in the United States means the government can't, you know, squelch. basically squelch any you know attempts to speak. It means nothing about companies. It doesn't say anything about social media platforms. That is not the new town square. Twitter does not have some magic power that makes it, you know, a free speech platform. Um, You know, and second, like we just you have the choice to make these decisions on your own. Right. Like, do you want to continue to listen to somebody's music when there are allegations against them? I still listen to some of Michael Jackson's music. Thriller is like one of my all-time favorite songs. You tell me every Halloween I gotta go without listening to Thriller, like, I, you know, and and that's just kind of like my choice, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that it's right, you know, that I'm like justified in doing it, but it, no, at the but same that's time, that's like, why I don't care about celebrities' personal lives. Like, right. I really, I really don't. It's like we're all we're all prone to making mistakes. We're all prone to having judgment calls that everybody else may not agree to. Now I'm not saying like OJ level stuff where like they're, you know, that's, that's deep, right? Yeah. I'm not even going to say Kells. Like I don't listen to like, I predominantly listen to hip hop and Spanish music. So Kells doesn't even get like a, he's not in the rotation, Yeah. but nor am I saying like he's justified and like, you know, whatever he's guilty of. Right. I don't care. It's like, you know, I really don't care, you know? Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of artists that, that we listen to that we don't know, you know, mm -hmm. their whole history. Yeah. Like one of my sons, he's, he is a musician. I always sound like, yeah, you don't want people fact checking you. Right. Like you're, you're every lyric you write, it's gotta be dope. And it's gotta be legit. Never, never like make something up. Yeah. Don't give people an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, so for me, and I thought what you put was dope. I also thought it was dope that you got a bunch of people that liked it. So that was brilliant. That was by far my most popular, my most popular tweet of all time. But what I, what I still revel at is the fact that people can't, they're afraid of the dialogue, right? Yeah. Uh, They think that we have to be in, just because we're using the same platform for communication doesn't mean that we're always going to agree. There will be, there will be dissent. Like there, there's the fact that people think and believe that we're always going to agree because there's a commonality 
is asinine. Like, I just can't, I can't get over it enough. It's like, uh, like for example, uh, the the drama in the palace in in the UK. Ooh. First of all, that is on Oprah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to be fair, what has she been doing the last, like, several yeah. years? And all of a sudden, she's like, she wakes up one morning and she goes, I'm going to destroy the monarchy? Like, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, low-key in my house, like, we're, like, going, like, yeah, but we don't care. We have our own problems in our country. Yes. No, we're spending I mean, way too much time on. It's a massive distraction is what it is. It's, and I get the the mythology of having a kingdom, right? But they kind of abdicated their, their, their rule over their country almost a thousand years now. Yeah. The whole thing is so ceremonial. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's entitled essentially only there's no real, basically you get to live in this giant palace, but you're under constant observation and everybody, I mean, now granted, most of them seem like they don't mind all of that constant observation and pressure to be royal whatsoever. You know, I mean, I won't make too many comments about what it apparently did to Prince Andrew, but I, yeah, I don't really, um, I don't have a dog in that fight. Like I really don't care. And I, and I understand there are only a few remaining countries with monarchies, Spain, um, I think all the Scandinavian countries have them still and the UK. I don't really care. I saw a fantastic analogy. I think from basically Ireland's take on what's gone on, you know, with the monarchy and everything. And it was like, it's like living next door to your neighbor who's really obsessed with clowns. And so they decorate their entire house with clowns. They put clowns in every window and all they ever want to do is stop you on the street to talk about clowns. (laughs) And then someone commented, Oh, and your grandfather was also murdered by a clown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause I, I mean, yo, like, I guess Meghan Markle, like she's her and her husband are really in love. I was never like, I've never been into the trappings of a monarchy. I just think that's kind of like weird. And and for a couple of reasons, one, because it's weird. And the second one, I think that I, I think and believe that our, our desire to have people dictate what we do for us is a, is a sign of weakness in the human like psyche. Now, Loki would disagree with you because yeah, he he believes that humans are more are happier when we have somebody, you know. Actually, he he wouldn't be wrong. No, uh, if, if you not. if you read if you ever read Exodus, that was their big downfall. Well, right? and I I mean I do think that there is a certain level of that, that we are experiencing even now in, you know, like there's just been a, I feel a huge, like just kind of abdication of responsibility for certain things, right? This like, you know, I mean, you talked about the monarchy basically abdicating their power to parliament, the parliament, right? 
And in a lot of ways, here in the United States, the people have abdicated the power to the government and said, here, you political class, you ultra wealthy or people who are somehow able to fit in with that group in some way, shape or form. You guys figure out how to run all this because I just want to buy fast food and watch TV. And if there, anybody spoils, you know. The end of Game of Thrones. Yeah, the ending of Game of Thrones or this week's Real Housewives. Like I'm gonna pitch a fit. I I I don't know. I you, you know what that kind of reminds me of. So I watched uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Which, I haven't seen way, that yet. It is a beautiful, dope movie, and I really enjoyed it. On my way into, I was driving somewhere and I was listening to NPR and I, I still need to change my radio station. You got a new car. Don't tell me I still <laughs> need to change my radio station. Yeah. And apparently, now this is where, like, I kind of got, I, I parked on a speed bump. They had a, um, there was a segment about how this movie didn't have the right representation of Southeast southeastern asians and it's first of all it's animated and i'm not trying to be please don't take what i'm saying like if you're listening you're like and you're asian please don't take this wrong way because as a black at chris and andre (laughs) on twitter (laughs) as a black man there are times i'm watching like movies like oh man i got two like pop culture things to say yo i'm totally about to lose my crap on this so like as a black man, I'll see black people in movies, but they're all Brits. Sure. I'm like, I don't lose my crap over that. I'm like, all right, well, you know, that's dope. And I'm not, I'm not mad at, you know, yeah, what are you going to do? Hate Idris Elba? No, you can't like, you know, I'm not allowed to. Yeah, he's handsome. Um, and then it's just like, <laughs> but it took away from, like the late, and I understand what she was saying. Cause she's of Southeast Asian descent. And, but I didn't get it. I couldn't connect to it. I was like, we, why do we get to a point with representation that we can't accept like the first step? The first step is whatever it is. And you kind of gradually get to what you feel is complete representation. You know, whether it's uh, looking back on Sidney Poitier or uh, Cicely Tyson and, you know, for me, or, um, uh, you know, Harry Belafonte, there's a lot, you know, Hank Aaron, there's a lot of people where their, I, where they were was an ideal, but it was a start. It was, right? a, yeah, it was the first step or, or a step along the way. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, yeah. So for me, represent the representation argument is starting to piss me off a lot because maybe it's just where we are, you know, in our society, but I just don't, I'm confused on why you can't enjoy the first step. So I, you tell me your white male perspective. No, I know. I mean, like that's I think as somebody who has, you know, spent the majority of his life feeling oppressed and, you know, really underrepresented especially in pop culture and media. Um no, that's You're an idiot. I am an idiot. Um no, look, I think uh, I I agree on I agree in principle, right? That I think Yes, it's very important to acknowledge the steps that we make along the way, right? And to say, like, okay, this is a step. But I think where we are right now is a lot of people feel the need to point out how it's not enough, right? Or to say, 
you know, yeah, this is a step, but if I, I can't accept it because then this become this is where we stay for too long. If if I don't point out what's wrong with it or what you know where I feel like it needs to be, then you know people may get the wrong idea that like you know Hollywood's going to make fifty more of these for the next fifty years before we actually get around to getting you know some what we feel is real representation. I'm I'm not saying that it that one way is wrong or right, but I'm I think that that's part of the psyche that's at play there as somebody who has absolutely no stake in that game. Yeah. And I, I, I just think of it. Yeah. And you're not wrong. I mean, cause and, and I, I know you're trying to be objective there, but I, for me as a, as a black man, it's like, yeah, but we just had Michael B. Jordan and Indris Elba be like the sexiest man alive. Right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that we should try to hyper accelerate these things, but it's just kind of confusing. Like I'm, I'm confused on what is the end goal? Like, like I can almost guarantee you, for example, in, in the media, Netflix has figured it out. They understand that representation is important, mm-hmm. right? Any Netflix show I watch that like it's that they produce, I can almost guarantee you there would be a uh, LGBTQIA representation. There's going to be a black person, either biracial or like non-biracial, more than and. Now the other coin toss is they might be British uh, or yeah, they they might be British. Like that's almost going to happen. So I'm going to see that, which is, I don't, I'm not even shocked by it. I just, I just expect it. They understand what representation means to their audience. Right. They're Uh, trying to provide characters for a lot of different people to ultimately connect with hopefully. Right. Yeah. But the problem I often see is that does it take away from the story? Sure. And right. that's is where it, is it done at the detriment of it? And I think yes. Like in in certain cases, when it's not you know deftly handled, um, it can kind of be like diversity for diversity's sake, right? Right. And Which is awful. Yeah. Um, it's not that shouldn't be the ultimate outcome here. Is is not the point? Is it? I you know. See, and this is interesting because I think like in a, in a lot of ways we talked about this previously with president biden's declaration that he was going to select you know a, a, I think first a woman and then you know a black woman and right. you know some people felt like well why would you shoot and i think we both kind of understood he already had a pretty good short list of who it was going to be and so yeah. he he knew he felt like ultimately the best candidates for the job were women. Right. And then they were also black women. Like it's just kind of, that's how it worked out to some degree. I mean, like, look, I understand that in politics, visuals and optics play a huge role in that. So yes, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying like that didn't play some element, but it also isn't like he went and found some completely unqualified person and said, well, you're a black woman. So you're going to be my vice president. Yeah. He already had the, the, the cards in, in his hand. So that was, um, yeah, so his delivery of that statement was kind of off kilter, if yeah. I'm being honest. But I think he already knew like the most qualified people. Um, and I could probably agree with every like everybody on the short list because they were qualified. 
and I'm a I am pro hire the most qualified person. I, I will find a common ground with them. And that's that was going to be like what I was going to kind of trying to finally get around to is that the point of diversity is that you are considering all of the potential candidates at face value, not right. based on, well, I'm, you know, it's like in the NFL with head coaches, right? I personally believe that there's a huge influence is that people want to hire people that look like them or that they feel comfortable with because they look like them because they feel like, well, you probably had similar experiences growing up, right? There isn't going to be some disconnect between us because of that. I'd like to say that, you know, in a lot of cases, that's obviously not a requirement for people to get along and work together. You know what? You want to hear a funny short story? Then we get to my second pop culture thing. Yes. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Uh, I was in a parking deck and uh, I parked next to a, um, a Sierra. What kind of drugs were you buying in this parking deck? <laughs> yeah. I, I was buying a little bit of truck envy right yeah it was a beautiful black sierra like chrome accents uh it was just gorgeous and i'm walking towards my car and i'm like yeah this truck is nice yo like i'm like yeah i should have bought this um and the there was a guy walking in the parking deck and he's walking towards the truck i'm like hey is that your truck and he goes yeah i'm like it is beautiful. We talked for like 10, 15 minutes, just about family life, uh, you know, kids, stuff like that. Um, his daughter is preparing for college. And I told him about my daughter getting ready for college. And so we ended the conversation. I'm like, Hey, you know, what's really cool that we literally just have this conversation in one of the craziest times I can remember in this country. And he's like, yeah, me too. Right. He's a white guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, yeah, Southern. He a, told me he well, drove a Sierra. Yeah, I mean, yeah, black with chrome. I mean, <laughs> 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 yeah, and he's also got a boat. So I'm like, yeah, that's. Uh, but I mean, just a real, and I'm like, yeah, I really appreciate it. You know, it just kind of reinforces my feeling that I can't get caught up in like just stuff. You know, yeah. um, there and then still- he goes MAGA. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> And he's in the he's in the trunk of my car right now as we speak. <laughs> um, but anyway, and the second part is uh, what's the second Bridgerton? pop culture reference, right? Brid- Bridgerton, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Then the other poshy. God, my wife is like in love with the Duke of whatever he is. He was on SNL. We watched it, and she's like fawning all over the guy. So, <laughs> screw that show. <laughs> no, great. I don't know what the show's about, but um, it's one of those shows where I like pop in and pop out of. I'm like, oh, what's happening? Uh, you know, it's going to happen the next three episodes. But um, you know, it's cool. In his SNL opening, he's he made a statement that actually reigns true. It's it's great that uh, people that look like me can see. Uh, somebody that is taking a leading role in a show that's gained so much popularity. So that ties back to the representation thing. So, and I think that I can expect it, you know, I think that, you know, I've all, you know, you've heard me say this before society's going to like society will always like beat legislation 
it like social change will always happen before there's legislation. Social change will always happen before there's like uh, the change in commercials. You know, uh, we talked about commercials before. Yeah. Like there, there are certain things where like we can set the norms and I'll, I'll even do like a, a, a double tie back to Amazon. Look, you're trying to swim upstream for no reason. The real solution is create something that fits the requirements you're looking for. Customers will go there because they believe in that mission. That's one thing that's missing from capitalism right now. People don't believe in the mission of these companies because they don't really have one. It's really to go out there and make money. Yeah. Um, I mean, read the actual mission statements of most companies these days, right? Yeah. Where I mean, very rarely, I would imagine, are employees mentioned, um, you know, outside of probably a little bit of lip service. Yeah. I, uh, there are two companies locally that, um, well, one I don't use because I don't need their services right now, but I was behind a uh, Baker roofing truck today mm -hmm. and their mission statements on the back of their trucks. And it said something to the effect of, uh, our mission is to like pretty much do well, mm -hmm. do it at a profit if possible. <laughs> yes. I used to love the commercials on uh, the local sports talk radio where it's like, yeah, yeah our mission is uh, to do good work at a profit if we can, at a loss if we must, but always good work. I can tell you if somebody said roofing company, you know, it would automatically come to my head. Baker Roofing. Baker Roofing. Yep. And it's because that's the right mission. Yeah. Um, I like for plumbing, I use uh, JD and Sons. And they're somewhere in Durham. Most of their uh, plumbers live in Hillsborough and the surrounding areas. They charge me a little bit more. And I know that. But I've never met or dealt with such professional and thorough technicians. Yeah. Ever. And I know I pay, I know for a fact I pay more. I, I know it when I look at the invoice, I'm like, yeah, I probably paid like $90 more, but I'd rather fund their mission than fund somebody that I'm questionable about, like yeah. what they're going to do, or they're not going to stand behind their work. Um, and that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I believe that companies, there, there is a market for those companies. It may not be the biggest swath of the population for whatever reason, but they're going to keep their lights on. Uh, there's, it's no different with Amazon. Sure. Go, hey, boycott, have at it. I bet you in a week, they'll still be there. Goya beans. <laughs> like we haven't bought Goya products. Like since your boy said that what he said, and it's like, yo, but there are alternatives, right? Yeah. And provided there's an alternative, consumers will go to the alternative. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's what cancel culture in a lot of ways really boils down to these days, you know, like, I think where it crosses the line in some ways is that like in certain instances, the social pressure that people try to place on other individuals to participate. Right. Um, but at the same time, I still think like it's a very valuable tool for the end consumer. Like it is the, 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 the part they're tripping over themselves on is get your message out. Where do they miss the mark? Now let me decide. And what's the alternative, right? Yeah. If you don't provide the alternative, then like, first of all, Amazon, that's 
all right, Moby Dick. Like, <laughs> like good luck with that one. Yeah. Um, What's the uh, alternative to Mumford and Sons? Oh, literally any music. Anything. Anything else. Anything. John Mayer. Like, I don't listen to his music. But For a good very Lord. good reason. There, there's a lot. I mean, one, I don't know. Like, the only thing I know about him is, like, he was in a, uh, a Dave oh. Chappelle skit. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. But the reason why I will never listen to his music is his his Playboy article. Like I will never like if my daughter ever came home and said that she was a John Mayer fan, I'm like, nope, that's not a lot. Don't don't ever mention his name in my house because he devalued you at like for no reason at all. Yeah. If if women like seriously, feminist movement, if you can support John Mayer after he said that crap, there's so, take your movement and wipe your ass with it. Should like, we should we like I mean, do we need to cancel John Mayer? I no. Let's, let's do it. Come on. Okay, so all Chris and Andre show listeners, we are officially canceling John Mayer. There will be no more John Mayer listening. We will not buy his albums. Not that we ever did. Uh, we won't watch that episode of the Chappelle Show. Yo, we, my it dude. is okay for us to watch the Chappelle show now because Dave's getting money off of yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. We're good there. But my dude legit said his penis is racist. Yeah. Like, who says that, yo? I like, mean, John no Mayer one... does when he's doing a Playboy interview because he thinks he's funny or that people won't call him out for it. And, I mean, obviously, like, he's gotten away with it for this long. I'd never heard that until, I think, you told me. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't ever like yeah i've never been a huge i'd rather listen to jason mraz than john mayer i don't know like i don't know who that is so yeah like, i know right <laughs> so it makes me want to say sisters why are you listening to this guy because i don't even know who he is like because I, their body is a wonderland but i got his back i got their back because it's like yo it's like dude legit said that like please don't ever disparage an entire group like of anybody on some crap like that yeah. how are you going to say your penis is racist come on yo i was like uh was it my my daughter uh my seven-year-old said something the other day and i was like or, or did something and i was like why did you do that and she was like i didn't do it my brain did it and i was like um, so are you and your brain two different people? Because if that's the case, we have a lot more to discuss with your therapist. <laughs> and she didn't get the joke, but I thought it was hilarious. And apparently yeah. John Mayer and his penis have a lot to discuss with his therapist. Um, but, Jeez, man. I don't know how, like, I don't know how that guy wasn't just cut off from the rest of the world after that statement. But, um, don't. Oh, there. I, 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 <laughs> I made a pun. I didn't, I didn't, didn't even mean to. <laughs> Sports. Uh, okay, so before we kind of close things out, I'm kind of curious. Do you have any thoughts on the ACC tournament? Did you watch any of the games today? No, I, I was busy all day today, man. No, I uh, mean, uh, you're a busy guy. I understand. I mean, I didn't I, I th- watch any either because I am also, as they say, a busy guy. I think Carolina probably – uh, takes it but you here's would. my but here's my thing though if yeah. carolina they, i can't i think they've only won the ncaa one i want to say time one time when they won the acc tournament or two times yeah i know what you're talking about 
So like, rarely do they win the ACC tournament and then go on to win the NCAA. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I I don't really care. Like I used to be heavily invested in the ACC tournament. Yeah, as long as they beat Duke, I don't really care. Um, Well, they beat Duke in the last game of the season, right? But Duke is having a crappy. They had a crappy season. Yes. Yeah. It has been um, uh, really, really bad for Duke. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a competitive guy. I like, I, I can't, I would never revel in the fact that like when my, my biggest like opponent is their weakest and I beat them that like that was a win. So it's you like would a, not have been amongst the crowd that flooded out onto Franklin street for the no. second time this season. No, hell no. Yeah. That's I, uh, like a, it's not even a mercy kill. Yeah, I know. Like that's what I just I very confused by all of that. Um, I will say that I don't think that my Wolfpack are going to win because I'm not such a homer that I'm incapable of picking some other team. the The girls' team is doing our women's team is doing bananas. Yeah, the women's team. So major shout out to them for winning back to back ACC champion tournament champions. Yeah. Uh, championships um, supposedly that is still not enough to get them a one seed in the NCAA tournament. They're seventh, right? I think they're seventh. They're number. Well, they were ranked number three, I think. But I think they are a seven seed. No, team. they're not a seven seed. What are they? Get the f out of here! Do you even know what it is that you're talking about? Right now, no, because I don't really. Yeah, uh, I know. It's very clear you throwing out that the NC State Wolfpack. All right, here's the thing: State should be a one seed. The women's team. The women's team. No, the men's team that barely won. I, I, I want you to clarify because I don't. Want you, <laughs> I know how you are. You're like yo, but you agree with me, like yeah. yeah no, like, I know. I would. I'd be like, I'm talking about the men's team, and you'd be like, you're a dick. Um. Okay, yeah, I guess they're already playing. So let me see. I didn't see. I think they ended up as a two seed. A two seed? Yeah, which is not it, a huge deal. It, so Connecticut was the one seed, right? I'm trying. I didn't look at the women's bracket. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I know. I I did not. I didn't realize that they uh, were already playing. I think that's unfair. I think that like they should have a little bit of reprieve, and their their NCAA shouldn't start. The same week, same week that the other regional like tournaments are starting. I think that's crap. That's oh. why women. Sorry, go ahead. That's why women's college basketball does, doesn't get the love they they deserve. Yeah, um, uh, it, I don't know. I'm not going to spend any more time looking for it because I didn't find it right away. But. Um, <sighs> I enjoyed the season for the women. Um, you know, I've been very like, I what? mean, like I enjoyed watching that this season of basketball. Um, I paid more attention to them this year than I probably have at any point previously after winning the ACC champ- tournament championship last year. Um, we have one of the best centers in the nation in Elisa Kunain, I think is her name. Yeah, who's apparently from Greensboro. Shout out to okay. my former hometown. Um, 
technically I live in you're like a hometown gypsy like i am yes i call everywhere my hometown yeah i know like you're like oh they have a player that (laughs) i like that i know i spent i spent all of three years in summerfield outside of greensboro and every time greensboro gets mentioned i'm like greensboro that 336 (laughs) which is still my area code of my cell phone so um that's right that's right internet i just gave you Three tenths of my phone number. What are you gonna do? Can you figure it yeah, out? You are such a freaking like gypsy hometown guy. That's well, crazy. okay, that's not even that true though, because I spent. Tell me how I'm wrong. Yeah, I will gladly. That's that's what this whole podcast is about. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> not this episode. The whole podcast. Um, so I, I mean, I was born in Sacramento, right? At like six or eight weeks old, I went to Michigan. We lived there for a little while. My sister was born like a year. We lived there. My sister was born. We moved back to California, again, outside of Sacramento. I think we were in Elk Grove for like a year. And then we moved to Eldorado Hills, which is where we were for 13 years before we moved to Summerfield, outside of Greensboro in North Carolina. So you're now you're now 13, 14. 14, yes. Um, yeah, it was 1999, 15. Um, and then I came to Raleigh to go to NC state in 2002. And then I moved to Cary in 2003 and I have been here ever since. So I've, I've been here in Cary and now North Carolina longer than I've lived anywhere else. So like in a way, and you're right, I am a kind of a gypsy in my hometown that I consider Sacramento and Eldorado Hills and that area to be my hometown hometown. But I do consider Greensboro to be my North Carolina hometown because it was the first. That's where it gets complicated. City that I lived in when I moved. So for me, like all, like pretty much a similar story, but it's all about Harlem to me. Like I, like everything else doesn't really matter. It's like, yeah, that's that's base. I mean, and the the truth of the matter is, like California is definitely is like my home state, and El Dorado Hills is my is my true. Like that's what I consider. If you ask me, well, where are you from? I'd say I'm from California. Wouldn't say I'm yeah. from Greensboro, you know. <laughs> People will sometimes ask me, "Oh, did you know?" Like, because I'll be telling them the story. Oh, I moved from Greensboro in 2003. They're like, "Oh, did you grow up in Greensboro?" I'm like, no, I lived in California before then. Blah 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 blah. But now you know the rest of the story, as yeah. that one guy used to say on the radio. So I'm still pissed about Bridgerton. Um, Wait, you're still pissed about it? I thought you were happy about it. I'm happy about parts of it, but like, I don't have time to watch my wife fawn over another dude. That's just kind of. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's that, weird. That can be a little difficult sometimes. Yeah, and he killed it on SRL. Is that why you don't invite me over anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the answer to that story is Andre doesn't share his toys. <laughs> he was a middle child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I feel like there was something else that I watched recently that was that I was going to talk to you about. I can't remember what it was. Oh, okay. So last night we got the Discovery Plus. Uh, like I think Christy was able to get it through Verizon for free or something like that. Okay. There's a show on there called Luda Can't Cook. Oh, that sounds interesting. Is uh... starring Ludacris. Um, and it's basically how he can't cook and he goes, but he owns like all these restaurants and stuff. 
And so he knows all of these famous chefs and he goes and learns how to cook from these like world renowned chefs and stuff like That's that dope. in different restaurants. And so Does he go Luda? Uh it- no, but like last night his mom was on there, which was pretty hilarious. Uh um, he went to like some Indian restaurant and learned how to cook a bunch of food and then like did his own versions of things. Um but I don't know, it was it was pretty funny. Uh it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. Um I think we talked about polar last time. There was something else, I swear. That I watched recently, and I was gonna not not Bridgerton, right? No, it wasn't Bridgerton. I haven't gotten in any new. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Series okay. on Netflix like that. Um, yeah, I'll think of it as soon as we're done, and then I'll I'll be like, oh, son of a. I read an article on our website. You did. Yeah, it's, it's the first one the... to get published in forever. Yeah, it's about the M one. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm in like a, a phase right now, so I'll probably write. Uh, something about my phone this week or something like that. You know, but, um, I, I was just thinking the other day that I need to get back on my movies uh, review series, if nothing else. Yeah, I might write a review for uh, Raya, the, Raya and the Last Dragon. Really good movie. Um, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. Um, and it's a beautiful story. Like, And I'm not like gushy over stuff like that, but I was like, this is a really good story. Um and not a lot of tropes, which probably that's one reason why I really enjoyed it. Yeah. There was, it wasn't a tropey movie. I finished uh WandaVision. Still haven't started that. I know you told uh, me I need to, and I'm, it's on my list. I just, it. Has I will tell you that the ending was not quite what I expected. Um, I heard there were like supposedly some big reveals about phase four Marvel movies or whatever. Yeah. And Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I got, dude. Yeah. Are we, my the question is, are we gonna get another web slinger movie? Uh we are. The, ooh. <laughs> this this Christmas. Um, I I'm Helena not really left her too. <laughs> so I literally can do the Spider Man meme. <laughs> or they can. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you so, listening at home, this yeah. might end up on YouTube eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I love this guy. I, now, yeah. Well, I did mention our website, the Chris and Andres show, actually Chris and show.com. Uh, there's an article about my M1 journey uh, from makeup to breakup. I really, uh, I think Apple's hit it out of the park on this one. Wait, from makeup to breakup? I mean, from breakup to makeup. Don't correct me in public. <laughs> well, I was just trying to make sure. I'm like, yeah. Do you not like your M1 now? <laughs> from breakup to makeup, um, and I didn't go too heavy into the like the benchmark stuff. I oh, think all that. God, that would have been so boring. Yeah, that's so. It's, it's <laughs> your mileage will your mileage will vary on that one. Um, but you can always find out stuff that we're rambling about or thinking about outside of our podcast on chrisandandreshow.com. Listen to our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google. And if you're into it, you can you know take our RSS feed from our website, plug it into your favorite podcast tool and listen to every episode if they ever, I mean, when they get published. You're a podcast tool. 
Yeah, you're not publishing anything. Like, um, yeah, I know. I, you had to go and throw that in there. Like, I was like, hey, get a podcast tool. That'll be funny. And he's like, if they ever get published. And I'm like, okay, I, I was going to make that joke later. <laughs> now you kind of stole my thunder. You can send us an email at the Chris and Andre show at gmail.com. Soon to change, but yeah, I'll get to it. <laughs> Soon to change, he's said for the last four months. <laughs> yeah, and just because of that, it'll happen this week. Um, we're always glad you joined us, and uh, if you ever want to give us any feedback, questions, or you know, whatever, we're, we're definitely up for it. Um, send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter at Chris and Andre Show. Just Chris. No, and Chris, Chris. Just and Chris and Andre. We didn't have room for show. I was trying to make yeah. it simple for the for the people. Okay, just hit us up at, on Twitter at Chris and Andre. I'm not sure what we're doing on Facebook because... Not much. I posted one thing when we had a new art episode, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a new episode, and then that was like a month ago, and we haven't done anything else since. It's just yeah. Twitter now. I just... I, I've i honestly started to abandon all other social media platforms, and I'm just... I'm going whole hog on Twitter uh, now that that is where my star has shown the brightest, and... <laughs> You know, I mean, I I was going to wait um, to make this announcement until the ink dried on the contract, but I'm actually going to be leaving the Chris and Andre show to start my own solo career as a podcaster now where I will just read the funny tweets that I post. Um, so you can find me at. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. Yeah. Uh, I would never do that because. I would never do that. Like I would literally, I would nothing would ever happen. I would never sit down and make an episode because I, I wouldn't have somebody else like sitting there being like, "Dude, get your <laughs> shit together and come do this." I was thinking like he's got like forty episodes ready. To yeah, spread. forty episodes recorded, not a single one ep- edited. <laughs> and then I'm going like, how how to build websites? <laughs> Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, such a good partnership. It's serious. Uh, but we're glad you joined us. As always, I'm Andre. And I am Chris. And sometime soon we'll talk to you'll hear us. Yeah. Talk, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, but we're not sure when you'll hear us. But thanks That's for right. joining us. <laughs>